Touch anything else. Just a suggestion. The whole future hangs in the balance. No one can know the future. One can only follow one's instincts. You're the best of Starfleet. Our ability to work together, that's our greatest strength. Let's show them what you got. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Eric Wong. So this week we are back talking about some television, maybe some non-Marvel television, talking about the latest Star Trek series on Paramount Plus called Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Initially, I didn't really want to talk about this show. Before I knew anything about it, there's no way we're going to talk about the show. There's no way this show is good. For me, it seemed like a web series spinoff or something of Star Trek Discovery, starring Anson Mount as Christopher Pike. So it seemed really slight. I didn't know what it was. But then I watched it, and this is like the best Star Trek show in like decades, probably. I don't know what you guys thought. I know we've covered Picard in the past. We liked it to a certain degree, and... I know I've watched most of Discovery, but I fell off recently. I'm just not really feeling that show too much anymore. But this series really got me excited. I was like really into it for all 10 episodes. Some of the best TV on, I guess, the internet, because it's not really on (laughs) cable or network TV. What did you guys think about this? Yeah, like you, I was pleasantly surprised. I kind of wasn't that impressed by Picard. I didn't even watch the, uh, the second season or anything. I didn't get that far into Discovery. So, I wasn't really expecting anything really great from Star Trek, and um, I think they hit this one out of the park. This one's really good and gets like an unqualified recommendation for me, and I think yeah. everybody is loving it. I think it's really made a big splash, so it's really yeah. cool to be able to unreservedly recommend a Star Trek again. This is really good. It's funny, because when we were talking about Picard, like, we all really liked it, because we covered like half of the season, and then mm-hmm. as soon as like we started watching after the episode that we recorded, it got, like, pretty bad, I want to say. You know, also just the little boost the show got from the nostalgia of seeing all the old actors in the old roles and it all wore that out stuff. Fast. I think that wore out, too. So by, you know, halfway through that first season, you're like, all right, well, what are they really doing? What's going on here? 
You yeah. just didn't have the gas to, to go the whole way. I even gave season two a shot, and it was not that great. No good, huh? What about you, Derek? What's your experience with Strange New Worlds? So I think I've probably relayed this already when we talked about Picard. I'm not a Star Trek fan. I didn't really grow up watching a lot of Star Trek or any Star Trek, uh, pretty uh-huh. much. You know, my only real exposure to Star Trek really has been in the last what, decade with the J.J. Abrams reboot that happened in like 2009. And I generally really like that movie, like the very first one. I think it's a little diminishing returns when it comes to that series. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch Discovery. I only watched those four episodes of Picard with you guys. Oh, you didn't even continue. <laughs> I liked it, but I didn't even continue because I was just like not that compelled, I guess, okay. too. You know, again, I didn't have a connection with these characters. But I'm very surprised that I really love this show. Mm-hmm. I-, I think partially because it's an entry point where it feels familiar in the sense that like I recognize some of these characters, but then it's completely different, right? It's introducing us to really like a whole new cast of characters. And uh-huh. it's led by Anson Mountain plays Pike, which, you know, I learned after the fact that he played the role already in one season of Discovery. I mean, it's a character that I recognize the name of because of the J.J. Abrams movies. I mean, I recognize Spock, Uhura. It was an easy way to kind of get in, but then you get really drawn into the whole cast of characters. Like, I really love the whole crew. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why it's so strong is that I can point to some of my favorite moments and they all seem to revolve around different members of the crew. And I think that's what makes it so strong and why I really love it so much. For sure. And I think, like, TV right now has gotten to the point where everything's so serialized. And I'm looking back to my childhood and, like, my teenage years watching TV, and I took for granted Monster of the Week episodes, right? The one-off episodes where, you know, it's resolved by the end of the 45 minutes. And this is like the first show in a very long time where it totally takes advantage of... I mean, there's serialized aspects where, you know, their character arcs throughout the entire season, but mostly the episodes are standalone stories that resolve themselves by the end. and. That's just something I really, really missed. And, like, I think with these serialized shows, like, especially if you compare it to, like, Discovery and Picard and stuff, to a lesser extent, like, the Marvel stuff, you get, like, one dud storyline, and, like, it carries throughout the whole season, and you're like, oh, god, this shit again. But you don't really get that here, and I think that's really refreshing, and I, <laughs> I really did like that. And most of them are pretty strong. I think all of them are, to a certain degree, have their strengths i mean i have my favorites and my least favorites of the season but we'll get to that yeah i feel very similar about the serialized aspect it wasn't something i realized that i would ever miss because this whole new golden era of tv is all about the um serialized tv and not episodic tv right yeah um and so we all kind of drank that kool-aid and we didn't realize that yeah you are throwing the baby out with a bathwater to get rid of episodic tv completely there's something good there yeah and i remember just like uh, going to my grandma's house and she didn't have cable. And so, you know, you're flipping between like the, you know, 12 channels available to you to find something to watch. If Star Trek happened to be on, you hit the jackpot. Like, yeah. you got a really cool, fun sci-fi story to watch for an hour. That rock, that like made your entire day, you know? That made your TV yeah. watching experience. So it's cool that you can have Strange New Worlds. And even though I watch them all in order, like you could conceivably watch these completely out of order and still get most of what they're trying to do here. So, I want to give a disclaimer. I don't think any of us are giant Star Trek fans who know 
everything about the lore. I know there are people out there who are huge Star Trek fans. And we're just doing this episode because I feel like we all love this show. But don't expect a deep dive into the lore and the history and all the threads that connect, like, you know, like the older shows, the next generation, Deep Space Nine and all that to this show. I don't think any of us picked up on everything. I mean, there are things that I definitely picked up on, but there are definitely things that probably went over my head. (laughs) So forgive us for not being uh, completionists on this. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't have time to go back and watch decades (laughs) worth of TV. Yeah, I mean, you know, and this is a perfect opportunity if we miss something and it's really grinding your gears, perfect time to email us about it. And Oh my God, yes, yeah. Yeah, let yeah, us know yeah, what we yeah, missed. For sure. Yeah, if there's like any little Easter eggs or little things, I'll admit, I'm probably the one out of all of us caught the least. I don't know any of the things that they're really trying to reference. But you like yeah. lore the most. You're really into yeah, lore and continuity and shit <laughs> like that. It's so, like, I mean, we'll get into it, but like after the fact, I've been reading about stuff. Of course you have. Of course you have. Surprisingly, I went back and watched the episode that the finale is based on. Yeah, I did too. Two weeks from now, you will have seen all of Star Trek. <laughs> all of Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, I didn't start from season one, but I've actually started watching Discovery season two, just because I knew wow. that. Wow. That's the season oh, that really? Anson Mount's on. Mm. To get into that a little bit, I think he is so compelling. It's so well drawn in Strange New Worlds. It's kind of a stark difference. He plays the character a little differently in Discovery. To the point where I kind of don't like it. I'm interested to see if he kind of like transforms into the Pike character that I like so much from Strange New Worlds. But I mean, I'm only on episode two now, so like we'll definitely see. I don't know if it's like purposeful, but it's probably like the incident where, you know, he sees his own future. And that's probably the change in the character that you're looking for, right? You know, like the big bridge explosion that he like sacrifices himself to save all those underlings, right? And that's canon, right? Because that's what happens in uh, in the original series. Although I do want to say that I'm a little confused by continuity here. Because the J.J. Abrams Kelvin timeline is canon, right? It is canon with the original series and uh, like the next generation and all that stuff too. But you have Christopher Pike who's played by a different actor in this timeline he doesn't even know kirk before they're in starfleet so i don't know where like that inflection point is i feel like i'm just not well versed enough to know or is this just another alternate timeline i don't know it's really confusing to me sometimes the more i think about it the more it hurts my head that's not a thing that crossed my mind at all (laughs) go and like cross-reference all the different realities and whatever so yeah i'm sorry i cannot help you with that one yeah, I didn't realize they said that's technically canon. I always thought that was just like an offshoot thing. So that's kind of news to me. No, they're connected because Spock, Leonard Nimoy Spock is like oh, a you're right, yeah. that is connecting yeah, yeah, yeah. tissue between mm-hmm. those two different universes. So like they definitely take place in the same. But this universe, as far as we can tell, the Strange New Worlds one has no connections as far as we can tell with those, correct? Yes. Like we've never had the same actor in both and be like, Oh hey, I'm from the yeah, Kel- no, no, I'm from no. the Kelvin universe. We're doing, you know, Kelvin things or whatever. Yeah. We're doing yeah. Kelvin things. <laughs> and I was they to wouldn't s- because the Kelvin universe has like Spock and Ohora and they're all played by different actors here. So 
I'm just assuming this is like its own thing on a tangent with the original series, yeah. Right, yeah. I feel like you can't think about it too much. It is connected to the other TV stuff, right? Yes, like it's connected Discovery. directly to Discovery. See, this, what we're doing right now, this is the exact reason why Stranger Worlds is good. It's because you don't have to deal with all this bullshit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? exactly. Good like point. The, like good the point. episodic nature of the show is what, it, it means you don't have to deal with this stuff. Yeah. That's what's really fun about it. Do you guys want to talk about these episodes a little bit? Yeah, it's a 10-episode first season. I was kind of expecting, oh, maybe because we're doing, like, these standalone episodes, we're going back to, like, Monster of the Week structure where it's, like, 20 episodes a season. Nope. <laughs> I don't think they have the budget for that, so, like... Honestly, I couldn't I was expecting it, a little too much. <laughs> it looks good, though, right? Like, speaking of budget, good. it's it not, good. like, a bad-looking show. Yeah, because I was like, oh, this is gonna, like, look cheap. This is, like, the third Star Trek thing that they've done on Paramount+. Plus. And there's a fourth one, which is like an animated comedy, which is like the Lower Decks show, which I haven't watched. That's apparently good. I've heard good things about it. Okay, no, you've heard okay. good things about it. But this is the USS Enterprise. I think Pike is probably my favorite captain since Cisco from Deep Space Nine, maybe? Yeah, probably. I mean, there haven't been that many since then. I'm not crazy about Voyager. Enterprise is just all right. And then Discovery. Like, who's even the captain there michael burnham isn't really burnham, the, captain. the captain kind of yeah kind of and she kind of fell off for me too so i really really like anson mount as pike like derek said i think like a lot of the episodes revolve around him which i really really do like all right so we should go around like what's your favorite episode from the first season i mean one of the best episodes of the season is the season finale but that's really <laughs> for sure i don't want to talk about that one just yet um, yeah. I do really like the the two Gorn episodes that we got, right? Uh-huh. The one where they're trying to evade the Gorn ships from the black hole, but then also like alien-esque episode that we got on the ice planet. I think both of those were two standout yeah. episodes for me. I really love both the mystery of the Gorn and then like the ties to the Laon character, but also the horror elements out of that second episode were really fun and really great. Like I said, mm-hmm. very alien-esque. I mean, you hit on a point earlier, Jeff, saying like this show is episodic, but then still has its serialized elements. And it's episodic in the sense that it is a creature of the week. Everything gets solved within the week. But what I Mm -hmm. liked what they did was that they included two episodes of Gorn so that it kind of helps to tie and flush out Laon's character, right? And her character arc in this series. And I think that's like where some of those like serialized elements come in. And like, it's interesting to see them do it episodically with a creature of the week but it's the same creature so that it helps to really flush out her character which i thought was really great you know i loved her arc throughout the whole season where she's like the gorn expert and like she's on a mission to avenge her family avenge her people and by the end of it she has a reason to move on from the enterprise which i thought was nice it's kind of nice to think that maybe as the seasons move on this is going to be a rotating cast in a sense hopefully she'll come back but then also it gives way to maybe new characters to come in as well uh it seems like what they're trying to do at least when, when they set up the first season so i thought it was a really nice way to uh, give her like a full arc for the season and honestly I've, i can say like almost all the characters are my favorite characters i think everyone has like really great arcs throughout this whole season yeah i thought we were gonna get more answers for lon as a character because her mm-hmm. last name is nunyan singh right she's related to khan but we never really get an answer to that. I feel like it's going to be significant in one way or another. Or maybe not. Maybe it's just like, oh, she's like a distant ancestor of 
con or something, mm-hmm. right? Which at first I thought was confusing because, like, aren't like both Khan and Lon running around at the same time? It's around the same era. But then I realized that Khan is like from the 1990s and he's in suspended animation. Yeah. Right? yeah. Cause like he yeah. was in like the eugenics wars of the 1990s, which I totally forgot about. Yeah. I'm just totally not that well versed in the Star Trek lore. So I forgot that he was like in suspended animation. So. They didn't really get to that, but maybe they'll do something, maybe they won't. But she's a great character. I like almost all the characters. And yeah. I'm glad that they're not afraid to kill people off, because yes. I really liked the Hammer character. Yeah, R.I.P. Hammer. Uh, so, yeah, yeah so R.I.P. Hammer, <laughs> yeah. They killed him off in uh, the penultimate episode. Bruce Horick plays him. And good on them for not pulling their punches on that, which I was not expecting. He's definitely the most slight of the main cast, but yeah, for sure, it's still shocking. Yeah, I mean, I agree. The finale is really good. I really like both the Gorn episodes. I liked Spock Amok. That one was really fun. <laughs> I loved Spock Amok. That was really that fun. That was really good. I really like the Nurse Chapel Spock thing. That's very fun too. Yeah, you know what I like, which is just like a very classic Star Trekky thing, is lift us where suffering cannot reach. The episode about the planet which uses the children's brains to create their paradise or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bro, that episode was fucked up. Yeah, yeah dude, it's great. Because they kill that kid, too. Yeah, right? they do kill the kid. Yeah. It's a classic Star Trek thing to adapt, like, a science fiction short story or novel or whatever. And put a Star Trek twist on it. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. So this, What's it, uh... So it's not a direct adaptation, adaptation, but... Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. But, like, the reference is to the Ursula Kayla Gwynn story, Those Who Walk Away from Omelas. Oh, okay. It's a 1973 short story. It's like a philosophical story. This, if you haven't read it, spoilers, it's definitely worth reading, but it's basically the idea is very similar to that episode. It's about a town or a land where everything is perfect, or a city where everything is perfect, and the reason it's perfect is because, like, there's one child that has to live in, like, absolute squalor and horror. That sacrifice is necessary for their perfect society to exist. Oh. Mm. It's like a very famous science fiction story. Won the Hugo Award for Best Short Story in 74. One of Versus the Kindlewood's many bangers. And this is, uh, yeah, it's a great one. Definitely worth reading. It's short. I, I, everyone should go read that one. Yeah. Benefit from reading it and thinking about it. And that was a great episode. Yeah. That's just classic Star Trek stuff to do. I really liked it. You know, the nice thing about this episodic nature is that you can do like different little mini genres, right? Yeah. And so, you know, as Derek was saying, you got the horror with the alien sort of Gorn episodes. And, uh, you know, you've got some comedy with the Spockamuck. Like, every episode has its own thing. And this was the, like, the little philosophical Star Trek episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Star Trek does do that, right? It does try to sometimes have these, like, I don't know, didactic elements or whatever. And yeah, I really like this. I, I just. I was just like, man, this is classic Star Trek shit to do this. I, I love it. Another classic Star Trek thing is like, the period costume drama episode, which they had with the holodeck, yeah, yeah, the holodeck mm-hmm. episode is another classic Star Trek thing. That's episode eight, even though it's not technically a holodeck. I wasn't a huge fan of this episode, me neither. But I thought the end was fine. It was the beginning lost me a little bit. A yeah. nice moving moment with Mabenga and his kid, but I wasn't crazy about this episode. But someone said like Star Trek has to have an episode where they go. Hmm, we have access to all these Paramount costumes from, like, some other show or, like, (laughs) 
something in the back closet. Maybe we should do something with these. So maybe that's what they did with this episode, which I thought was really, really funny. Just say my piece. I mean, I actually really like this episode. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. I do. I think it's unique enough because, I mean, I don't know Star Trek. So I was like, this is super weird. We're going into magic and sorcery. It's still like taking place within the halls of the Enterprise, which I thought was really fun and unique. Again, this is kind of one of those things where it's the natural conclusion for one of our characters, right? With the the Mabenga character. I liked everyone hemming it up in this episode which Mm -hmm. i thought was fun but it's just hard for me to get invested in this stuff when it's like oh it's clearly not real you know what Mm -hmm. i mean that's just like my thing where i like i can't really uh get attached to what's going on it's not a terrible episode it's just one that's a little more forgettable for me and yeah, it's not a real holodeck thing, right? It is tied yeah, to yeah, yeah. something in the reality of the show. So, uh, sorry, explain what a holodeck is for the people that oh, don't know. Yeah. I mean, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the holodeck. So, it uses like three D holograms uh, and force fields and whatever to create the illusion of solid objects, and you can create a simulation of any setting, real or imagined. So what they do is there's always, like, an episode where they go to the holodeck and they have a little, like, I don't know, Sherlock Holmes adventure or whatever. You can use it to just do, like, some kind of period drama or some kind of out-of-time thing, that some kind of non-Star Trek setting off the ship. So there's always some holodeck episode. There was an episode where Picard goes to, like, a gangster noir from the 40s and stuff. It's cool stuff. It's fun stuff. Yeah, it's always fun. But it usually takes them technically completely off the ship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always like, yeah, yeah. They're on the ship using the holodeck, but like, you get to go off the ship and go into whatever time or place you want. So instead of like a dream sequence or like something like that, you use the holodeck, right? So it's kind of like the danger room without the danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is exactly the danger (laughs) room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's the danger room. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, I get it now. I get it. I see what you mean when you say kind of like a holodeck, right? Like the Enterprise is dressed up to be almost medieval, but then you can clearly tell it's still the Enterprise, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in this case, it's like an alien's doing. Yeah, the alien's doing a holodeck-like thing. There's no holodeck. Usually the holodeck is like a room on the ship that you would go into to like have a 3D virtual reality experience or whatever. What I did really like about that episode was the Hammer character and the fact that, you know, him and Mimanga are the only ones that recognize that there's something wrong. But yet he uses science like a magician. I thought that was like really fun. It's cool. I like those moments. I thought the worst episode was probably episode three, Ghosts of Illyria. Oh, really? With the light virus. I don't really like it that much. I thought it was yeah pretty inert for me. I think just compared to everything else, this one just kind of fell flat for me. Yeah, the light virus was kind of dumb, but I liked the um, I liked the weird genetic engineering stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and like the ban on genetic modification and like the tie into both number one as an Illyrian and uh, to Nunyan Singh. Yeah, and then that comes back in the final episode too. Uh, yeah, the finale. Yes. but yeah, I mean that one's maybe not that great. I'm surprised you didn't say the holodeck one. That's probably the one that did the least for me. And it wasn't outright bad, oh, yeah? okay. but it just yeah, it just yeah. lost me in the beginning half. I think the emotional thread kind of worked for me. By the end, yeah. I didn't really need to see Mabenga's daughter grown up. Yeah. I feel like that kind of pulled the punch a little bit on that mm. to make him know that, like, oh, she's okay. I feel like some ambiguity would have been nice there, but... That's fine. I agree with that. I agree with that sentiment. Another episode I really liked was the Serene Squall. We're like jumping around. But that's like when they get boarded by the pirates. They have like the first uh, opening trans character on the series on any Star Trek, right? She was like non-binary. Or non-binary. Yeah, yeah. And I like that they made her the villain. And she like chewed up the scenery too. That was great. <laughs> she was having a blast. 
I found it very funny when she has that really drastic costume change of, whoa, that's real sexy and or looks very villainous before she actually reveals herself as the villain. So I was like, yeah. that was a choice. <laughs> I thought it was a really good heel turn. I, I, maybe I'm just dumb. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it coming. I was like, oh, she's the villain. This is cool. But I did like that. Bit. I thought the mutiny part was less good. It was silly. It was kind of fun, but it, it wasn't wasn't great. Yeah, I think the show sometimes has a good balance of separating the cast, but sometimes it doesn't. In this instance, I think separating the cast didn't work as well. Also, the same goes for the episode Jeff was talking about earlier, the um, uh, Ghosts of Illyria, like separating Spock and Pike from the rest of the people that are having the light disease. In that episode, I think separating the cast didn't work as well. I think it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. Okay, so just to circle back to that character... So Jesse James Kaitel, the actress, is a trans woman, but the character they're playing is non-binary. Is mm. non-binary, yeah. All right. Well, I think we've said at least a little bit about most of the episodes, but I do want to talk about the finale, right? Because I do mm-hmm. think the finale is great. I think it probably is my favorite episode, even though I really do like a lot of these episodes. And like, mm-hmm. it's only really gets better once you understand it more, right? After you read about it, or like if you've seen the original series and like you know exactly what they were trying to do but for me to discover afterwards all the things that they were trying to do to pay homage to the original series and like how much it mimics the original episode and the original series all that stuff is so fascinating like just really adds layers to that episode this one itself could have been one of our episodes where we like dive deep into one episode of a tv show this could have been right so what were you guys thoughts on the finale so i like what the show did with the gorn and with the romulans that it introduces you to these Star Trek races that if you know Star Trek, you already know these species already. But it reintroduces you to them in a way that makes them scary again. It makes them new again. And I thought that was really cool. Um, the overall effect of that, you go, wow, the Romulans are well, super scary and different and interesting. So I thought that was really impressive. They were able to make those old things fresh. I, I think that's my favorite aspect of uh, finale yeah it's a great episode it's got everything i like i like time travel i like the introduction of jim kirk and pike going into the future and learning the lesson from this episode was great introducing the iconic romulans in this was fantastic and i like the tie-in to the original series too i believe the episode's called balance of terror it's from the first season of the original series and it aired in 1966. So it's like a replay of the events of that episode, but with time travel involved. This is probably my favorite episode of the season, for sure. Looking back at it, it's a little disjointed in the sense that it kind of completely almost shifts its cinematography a little bit when it comes to the rest of the series. I feel like the rest of the series is much more bright and fully lit versus I know they were trying to really mimic what the original episodes look like, the way like it was lit and the way that it looked. And that's really great. It's really cool as a fan to be able to see that. But for me, it was a little bit of a hard turn just because like I didn't quite understand what they were trying to go for at first. Right. But then to read about mm. it, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Kind of like half lit faces focus on the eyes more than anything like the original series did. I thought that was really cool. So, yeah, I mean, just to talk about the episode a little bit and like talk about some of the differences. I mean, essentially, to begin this story, Anson Mounts Pike runs into a Federation officer that is the father of one of the recruits that he's going to save in the future. Right. 
I mean, he doesn't sacrifice himself, but he gets severely injured and he thinks that he can write a letter basically to save himself and save the kid, right? And basically change the future. But then while he's doing that, an older version of himself shows up and time traveled and is telling him like, you can't do this, right? Because yes, you might change the future for the better for yourself, right? Because clearly he's alive and I think he says, you know, those kids survive, right? But then it makes the future in itself worse. And I'm glad that we also get the answer to why it's worse by the end of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. But then we jump to the future. We jump, I guess, seven years into the future where he is still the captain of the Enterprise. And it's past his time, right? Past the time where he would have been injured and, and taken off of the Enterprise. Right. And then Kirk would have stepped in. And basically, like Jeff's saying, it plays into that same Star Trek original series episode, but instead of Kirk being the captain, it's Pike. So it plays mm-hmm. very much the same beats. It talks about the outpost. It talks about this Romulan ship that destroys the outpost and then tries to escape back into the neutral zone. And the Enterprise follows suit either to attack the ship or <clears throat> try to garner some kind of peace. And Strange New Worlds alludes to it, right? Because Kirk beamed onto the ship. So this is the first time we meet James T. Kirk, and he's the captain of the Farragut instead of the Enterprise because Pike is still captain of the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. And he beams on and basically he says like, hey, we should attack them before they get back to the neutral zone, right? Or we should attack them so we can stop this war. And that's basically what happens in in the original series. But what Pike does differently is that he chases them and tries to garner peace. You know, he tries to use diplomacy versus force and it backfires. The whole Romulan fleet comes to the neutral zone. And by the end of the episode, all out war is raged. And there is, I guess, the illusion that there is a Romulan war ahead then. And then in this incident, Spock gets severely injured to the point where it, he basically replaces the Christopher Pike place right like he gets Mm -hmm. injured to the point where he can't serve anymore so like it's this kind of butterfly chain effect of well if he's injured he's never there to do all the things that we see in the original series and Mm -hmm. that's like the terrible thing that happens that because pike survives basically spock quote unquote dies and he can't let that happen right like that's the worst thing that can happen is if spock isn't there to save the world you know 12 times over or whatever how many times in like the original series so i think it was a clever way to close out at least pike's arc in this season right because Mm -hmm. a lot of his arc in this very first season of strange new worlds is revolving around like this vision of the future he sees and then wanting to somehow stop that right and or prevent that and now he has to live with it and accept it and know that it is for the better good what is going to happen to him is going to happen to him yeah yeah, again, I really thought the episode was clever. I love seeing like the differences in the episodes, but then also it seems so crucial to the Pike character in this first season, which I thought was really great. Yeah, and the mirroring of like the lines in the original episode and this episode is great. I love like the tragedy of the Romulan commander and what does he say? He's like, in another reality, I could have called you friend. Yeah. You know? And it's interesting because it's said the same way. It feels the same way, but it's like totally two different circumstances, right? Yes, exactly. In the original, like it's actually the Enterprise that shoots him down. And in, in this version, right, Strange New Worlds, it's the Romulans that shoot him down. And it's yeah. so sad. Like both ways, it's like super sad and like delivered so well. Yeah. I think that's why like this episode's so strong and so is the original episode itself, right? Because I, I think the original episode in itself, like I was reading, it's like it's pretty revered and like a lot of people do love that original episode. 
So I think to pay homage to it, I think it was a good choice. Yeah, and I thought Paul Wesley did a great job as Jim Kirk, too. Mm-hmm. Just portraying his use of strategy and how he differs from Pike. And he just does this huge bluff with the mining ships. Yeah. And he makes the Romulans think it's like all of like Starfleet's come to the rescue when they're like unmanned, unarmed mining ships. It's such a, like a classic Kirk maneuver. I thought that was great. Amir, what did you think of the episode? I mean, overall, I really loved it. I mean, I'll touch yeah. on, like, one thing you guys have in is that the Romulans, the thing that makes them kind of scary is that they have this cloaking technology, like this stealth technology, mm-hmm. so their ship can kind of go invisible and sneak around. And so it does these sort of sneak attacks on the Federation outposts. Uh, it's got this super powerful weapon that can blow up the Federation ships. So they really do a good job of making it like this like really scary kind of new threat, unlike anything you've seen before in the show. And so I, I really appreciated mm-hmm. that part of it. Um, I appreciated the callback, of course, to the original episode. And I liked that it kind of subverts a little bit your expectation, maybe, which is that, oh, like Captain Pike's instincts to make peace is always going to be the correct one. That's what makes him, like, the hero of this show or the protagonist. And, you know, right. um, this is such a great thing. It's like, well, sometimes uh, you need to actually strike first and take risks. And that's sort of the Captain Kirk way. And apparently that, in some situations, is going to be favorable. So I thought that was... Yeah. A interesting choice. And for this show, this is the first time that Starfleet recognizes that the Romulans look like Vulcans, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Spock does his signature, like, eyebrow raise when he sees the Romulan commander for the first time on screen, right? I thought that was really funny. In Star Trek lore, like, the Romulans are like an offshoot of the Vulcans. What's interesting to me is that if this show goes long enough, like, do we then start getting the crew that we recognize, right? Because we already have two pieces, right? We have Spock and Uhura. And I think, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, like, the voice we hear of engineering in the future is Scotty, right? Like, he's already on the ship. Right, yeah, yeah. We've met Kirk. We met him in the future. So, like, it'd be interesting to see, well, at what point does Mabenga stop being the doctor and then Bones has to come in, right? Like, our chief engineer is passed away at the end of this season. Who potentially could take over, right? Or is the natural progression that it's going to be Scotty next, right? So, I think it's interesting to me, like, if we can get a couple seasons, will they do it, right? Will they have the turnaround? Will we get all these characters that we know and are familiar with? And, yeah, I don't know if that at all interests you guys. Or do you think it's better have this almost be separate from... Because it's doing it well enough where it's like, it feels familiar, like I said, with the Spock character and the Uhura character. And it's not so like reliant on like the original cast, right? I think other properties would like not handle this so well where like we wouldn't be so attached to this new cast, then we'd be clamoring for the old cast. Versus I think mm-hmm. they do so well to flesh out. I am so invested in all these characters that I'm more than happy to stick with all these characters for like the tenure of whatever many seasons they think the show is going to go. Or are they going to start introducing some of those characters that we are familiar with, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's answer this better than I can. Like, are any of these other characters recognizable? Like, do any of these other characters show up in the series? Ortegas and Manga, Nurse Chapel. Do any of them show up? Yeah, Benga is in the original series. Okay. Also, Nurse Chapel is as well. So, a lot of these characters are. Um, Ortegas, oh, okay. I think, is a new character. Yeah, number one is also from the original series, Una Chin Riley. Um, oh, really? Who's played by Rebecca Romaine. So, most of these characters 
do carry over from the original series. It's just different actors playing them, obviously. I agree with you, Derek, with your first sentiment that uh, I like this cast and I want to see how far they can play it with this cast before they start butting up against the um, original canon and sort of kind of start running out of room and start to have to like turn it into the original series, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I want them to have enough runaway to be able to have this show be its own thing. And, yeah. uh, and I, I think that amount of room is built in, right? It's at least... I don't know what, six, seven years before the original series happens, right? So, I mean, that's plenty of room to do a season a year or even less. It doesn't have to be that slow. They could do multiple seasons per yeah. year of Star Trek time, whatever that means. And, uh, yeah, I think they can play this out for as long as it's going to go. And that's what I hope they do. I don't, I don't want them to get too concerned with how are we going to fit this into current Star Trek canon and yeah. the recasting mm-hmm. all these actors and then, like, you start doing Star Trek original series stories and we just get very weird yeah they can always just be like oh another branching timeline or whatever you know and and deal with it that way but i agree i wish that they would just not concern themselves with that too much because i'm just having so much fun with these characters right now yeah like there's even stuff that i originally thought i was not going to be a fan of that i liked in this show at first i was like this romance between uh, Spock and T'Pring, his fiance. I was like, uh-oh, where's this gonna go? I feel like this is kind of like gonna drag the whole show down, but I like their relationship and the episode Spockamock is so fun where they just switch mm-hmm. bodies. Yeah. Ethan Peck playing T'Pring and uh, Gia Sandu playing Spock. I think that's just very, very funny. And they did it so well, too. Mm-hmm. And you have a little love triangle, which I usually hate, but I kind of like this chemistry that Spock has with Nurse Chapel. Yeah, I really hope they explore that more. Yeah, I think Jess Bush does a great job as Nurse Chapel. I think she's such a fun character, and she brings like this energy to that character that I really, really appreciate. The one thing that I thought they brought up in the Elysian Kingdom episode, I hope it wasn't just something they are just going to like leave to the wayside. There was this whole Una Ortegas. They had some kind of fling. There was like a line where like they knew each other's bodies. Wait, and what? like, oh, you don't remember that? Because Una plays the huntress, right? The warrior with the bow and arrow. And then Ortegas is the guard. It's kind of alluded that they're intimate or they were intimate in the past. I was wondering if that was something that's like from their characters that we don't know about yet, that they were interested in each other, but they're keeping a secret or like they haven't said anything to each other yet. Or is that part of just the child's story? But then even Mabenga's like, well, this is not part of the story, right? Like them knowing each other, their relationship kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, Did I, I read that wrong? I even pick up on that. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think you're picking up on something real. But I don't know. It's just it's something I missed. I'm sure you're picking up on a real detail, but I, yeah, I just don't know. Uh, well, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up about any of the episodes, about just the series in general as a whole? I just think it's a lot of fun. I think it's worth checking out. It's uh, like just the best Star Trek in a long, long, long time. I think people have been disappointed by a lot of the stuff that's come out recently. And uh, I think this was a real breath of fresh air. Yeah, I think it blows Discovery and Picard out of the water. It's so much fun. A real fresh of fresh air, a really diverse, fun cast without it being like, I don't know, too preachy or overwoke or uh, seem like it's trying too hard. Like, it's, uh, 
It's, yeah, it's real good. This has definitely been one of my favorite series of like 2022 so far. It's like just so lighthearted. It's easy to get into. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Love all the characters and love all the storylines and the character development. It's a great series to like not feel so bogged down by having to know everything. You know, like I said, I'm a person that doesn't know really any Star Trek and I came in still able to grasp most of the concepts and most of the relationships, how this universe works. And I love that it still feels pretty standalone, right? I'm going back and like watching those Discovery episodes, but definitely not bogged down by those, right? Like you don't need to really know exactly what happened to Pike in Discovery. It's just you kind of need to know that he touched that stone and saw his future, right? And something happened with Spock and his sister, which I'm finding out a little bit more about now. Yeah. So uh, I think it's definitely a high recommend from all of us if you guys are on the fence about watching it or need something just honestly like really fun to watch i definitely highly recommend it for sure if that is all i think that will conclude this week's episode uh jeff where can people find more of your work you can find me on my blog at strange harbors and you can also find me on twitter and instagram at strange harbors what about you guys um you can find me in the hollow deck nebula trying to figure out a way not to go to work tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) how about you two guys uh you can find me at the world's okayest photos and screen agents guild and instagram But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, if you want to issue any corrections, fill us in on Star Trek lore, this is the perfect opportunity to do so. So feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting your listener mail. Sometimes we read it on the pod. So uh, let us know. And we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.